0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrak.
1: In my walk with the Lord, I've found myself on occasion thanking the Lord for the difficulty and the trial and the affliction, because had it not been for that which God allowed into my life, I would have never seen the things that He wanted to show me. I would have never heard the things that He wanted to speak into my life. I would have never learned the things that he wanted to teach me in and through the affliction, things that he could not otherwise teach me.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching a special series related to the global coronavirus pandemic. Does it ever feel like all you go through is agony, especially during quarantine? It can be hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Today, Pastor J.D. talks about the importance of suffering in our life. Without the pain, how can we expect to grow? God allows the storms in our lives because He knows it will grow you and bring Him glory. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 119. As he begins his message, why is God allowing all this?
1: I want to talk to you about a very difficult topic concerning why it is that God allows that which we're experiencing in the world today. Certainly, God is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipresent, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and certainly He could have stopped this or not allowed this to continue as it has. But God in His sovereignty has deemed it fit and allowed what we're experiencing to take place, and that's what I want to talk about. Actually we're going to tackle the tough age-old question of why it is that God allows suffering, especially in the lives of His people. I have to confess that it wasn't until we studied through the books of Job and then Psalms, which we were going through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, And before this hit, we actually got to Proverbs chapter 28. I think we finished chapter 28. But when we were in the book of Job in particular, and then Psalms after that, that's when I really began to have a better understanding of this question related to why, if God is so loving, does He allow evil and pain and suffering in the world. So Oswald Chambers, I have a commentary of his in my library. It's a commentary on the book of Job, and it's got an interesting title. It's titled Baffled to Fight Better. And I just want to share with you from his commentary on the book of Job. It is in such a book of Job that many suffering souls will find consolation and sustaining. And this because no attempt is made to explain the why of suffering. And it is interesting. And that was one of the hardest things to get my mind around throughout our study of the book of Job, is that not one time Does God answer this why question that Job asks throughout the book? Chambers goes on to write, The problem in connection with suffering arises from the fact that there is seemingly no explanation of it. There are things in our Heavenly Father's dealings with us which have no immediate explanation. There are inexplicable providences which test us to the limit and prove that rationalism is a mere mental pose. The Bible and our common sense agree that the basis of human life is tragic, not rational. And the whole problem is focused for us in the book of Job. <laughs> One of the things that I had to come to grips with, for lack of a better way of saying it, is that I, in my own personal walk with the Lord, had to be okay with no explanation and, and answer to said why question. And it came this way, by way of this understanding that God is infinite, I, we, are finite. It is impossible for an infinite God to pour out and satisfy man who is finite. There is no way that we could possibly understand, fathom, contain, as finite beings, the infinite sovereignty and wisdom and character of a loving God. Actually, throughout the book of Job, in particular, it gets a little intense when God just sort of bursts onto the scene and starts asking Job some questions. Like, were you there when I created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is? And basically by the time you get to the end of the book, the answer to this why question is conspicuously absent and for good reason. We could never comprehend this side of heaven, the why of suffering. However, we can understand the purpose of it. And let me explain. I'll take it a step further and suggest that not understanding the why of suffering leads us to understand the purpose of suffering. And this is why I sense that the Holy Spirit was leading me in this direction of talking about this difficult topic. Please know that this is by no means An exhaustive study on this topic. However, what follows are five purposes in our suffering that I hope will help in some way with the why of suffering. In other words, the purpose, what, what God brings about in and through the suffering and the trials and the difficulties and hardships of this life. The first one is that it gets our attention, and for some it turns us to the Lord, and for others it turns them back to the Lord. I would submit that God will allow suffering to get our attention in order to teach us and show us that which we would not otherwise see or learn. In other words, were it not for the affliction and the suffering, we would not seek the Lord and as a result draw near to the Lord. The truth of the matter is we're all prone to stray when things are going well which is why God oftentimes deems it fit and necessary to allow affliction and suffering, if for no other reason other than to bring us back to Him. I think of David in Psalm 119 verse 67. He says, "'Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word.' It took affliction. Two verses later, in verse 71, he says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. You know, in my walk with the Lord, I've found myself on occasion thanking the Lord for the difficulty and the trial and the affliction because had it not been for that which God allowed into my life I would have never seen the things that he wanted to show me. I would have never heard the things that he wanted to speak into my life. I would have never learned the things that he wanted to teach me in and through the affliction, things that he could not otherwise teach me. Because when times are good I'm just prone to glide and abide as one said, but boy, when adversity strikes and God has my undivided attention, that's when He gets me all to Himself. And I think you would agree that it's when God gets us all to Himself. Now He's got our attention. And certainly this crisis has woken a lot of people up, and God has used it as only He can to get people's attention. And now He's showing us things, teaching us things that we would not otherwise see or learn. Sometimes what the Lord wants for me to see in and through the suffering is that He's sparing me, preparing me certainly, but perhaps more importantly sparing me. And I'll explain. It actually brings us to our second purpose for suffering and affliction, which is that oftentimes God allows the affliction, allows the trial, allows the crisis to spare us from a greater trial. Whenever we go to Israel, we take a boat ride across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. For me, and I know for many that have Gone with us. It is one of the highlights of the trip. And I always look forward to that particular teaching there on the boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee for a number of reasons, chief of which is because it speaks to the storms of life. There's this very interesting account in the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus with some urgency, I might note, has his disciples get into the boat, and he's going to meet them on the other side, knowingly sends them into the boat, onto the Sea of Galilee, into a storm. It's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. I want to read verses 22 through 32 where we have the account. and I want to draw your attention to a couple of details that are going to be very germane to our understanding of what's happening here. In verse 22 we're told, immediately, put that word in your hip pocket, we're going to come back to that, immediately Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. Again, another detail. I want to come back to that. Verse 23, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, as he would often do. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And this was not unusual, by the way, there in the Sea of Galilee. A storm can just come out of nowhere and hit suddenly. Verse 26, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, I love Peter so much. You want to talk about a guy that gets such bad press. (laughs) And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord save me. I love that because this is a three word prayer and Jesus answers this three-word prayer, which brings me great comfort and great encouragement, because it's not the length of the prayer, it's the strength of the prayer. He cries out this three-word prayer, Lord, save me, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, and please never imagine that when Jesus says this, to him that is with a scornful tone. I think it's a very loving tone where he says, oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now doubtless you've heard this particular passage taught in many ways, and as have I but I want to look at this in a different way and point out by way of a question why it is that there was such urgency on the part of Jesus to get them into the boat and to the other side. And by the way, spoiler alert, good news, They did make it to the other side. Oh yeah, they hit the storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, yet they were right smack in the middle of God's will. I I mention that because sometimes I think we do err greatly when we interpret the adversity and the hardship and the trials and the suffering in our life as being out of God's will for our lives and nothing could be further from the truth. You can be right smack in the middle of the trial, the storm of your life, and still be right smack in the middle of God's will for your life. God sometimes will send you knowingly into the storm, because He has something that He wants to accomplish by doing so. So let's get back to our question of why the urgency? I never see in the Gospels the Savior being running late or being urgent. In fact, if anything, it's like he takes his own sweet time. I never see him in a rush. I don't really see him with urgency except here. Why? That's the question. Why would Jesus immediately get them in the boat knowing that they would face this perilous life and death storm. I believe, as one suggested, and as I heard it taught, and I'm I'm telling you, it was a game changer for me. Here's a thought. It was because he wanted to spare them from what could have very well been an even more perilous storm that they would not have survived. What do you mean, a... more perilous storm. Well, now keep in mind, this took place immediately, I'm going to use that word, after the feeding of the multitudes. Now, just picture this with me, as one of the disciples. There you are, the only counted the men, with women and children, some Bible teachers suggest that there were probably about 20,000 people there. And Jesus is teaching. And then now they're getting hungry. And you know the story about the miraculous feeding of the multitudes. Can you imagine being the disciples? You've got the fish, the loaves. Jesus prays and blesses it, breaks it, and then it's miraculously multiplied. And so they're taking it around. The disciples are now and every time somebody there in the multitudes that were present there would put their hand into the basket, there was more. That's a miracle. Could you imagine being one of the disciples and experiencing that? And now all of a sudden Jesus wants to leave. I don't want to leave. This is great. I want to stay here. I mean, we could start a megachurch right here and have 20,000 people after this miracle. So why do you want to go to the other side of the sea? Oh, because if you stay here, you are in danger of a more perilous storm, the storm of pride. And last time I checked, pride still precedes the fall and a haughty spirit, destruction. And I believe that the urgency on the part of the Savior to get them in that boat and to the other side was to protect them from pride. I know in my own life there have been times where I've gone through some very difficult trials. And on the other side of that trial, in retrospect, I have thanked God for it. I would never want to have to go through it again. But I thank God, because had He not had me go through that, I don't know what would have happened in my own life, in my own heart. You know what they call a place that is sunshine all the time, no storms, where everything is just sunny and warm? They call it a desert, a barren desert. It's the storms in life that accomplish that which God can accomplish in no other way. So maybe that trial is to protect you from a greater trial. I know that some of you are really struggling right now, and rightfully so. And it may very well be, you may not see it right now, but it may very well be that God is allowing this because He's protecting us from something even more perilous than the storm that we are currently in. This brings us to our third purpose in suffering. And it sort of ties into this because it brings about a much needed humble dependence upon the Lord. It's my belief and it's been my own experience that life's storms bring about humility before God and a dependency upon God, replete throughout Scripture. We see examples of this with men and women that God used in mighty and powerful ways, one of which is the Apostle Paul, who to me is... One of the best examples of how all that he suffered, all that he went through, and he suffered greatly, it produced within him this humility, (laughs) this humble dependence upon the Lord.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor J.D. today on In Spirit and Truth. We know that this time in our nation is uncertain, but one thing remains steadfast. God is in control. We encourage you to spend time during this season in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of God. As with many churches across our nation, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe is holding services online only. We would still love to worship with you virtually, so please join Pastor J.D. at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to be notified when each week's service is made available. Pastor J.D. will continue to share his Mideast prophecy updates as well. In these, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them with prophecies found in the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these on YouTube or on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying for you about? If so, send an email to us at office at com. That's office at com. Would you do the same for us, please? Keep Pastor J.D. and our church staff in your prayers, asking the Lord to guide us as we navigate this new and unexpected time in history. And of course, please keep our nation and our leaders in your prayers too, as well as all those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying, and thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth.
1: La, la, la.